Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast. My name's David Tomlinson and with me today... Yeah, I think we're both sad figures today, Bill. How are you? Okay, okay, Davey. Uh, disappointed, obviously, with the result today. But I think, you know, the team showed us enough. We just we needed to have that bit of extra quality in the final third and actually take our chances. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. And thanks to everybody who's on watching live tonight. Do remember to get your comments and like and subscribe. All the good stuff. And if you're so inclined, please go and join our members page for just one pound a month. Oh, thank you very much for that, Bill. <laughs> I'll, I always forget that wee part of it, so I'll, <laughs> I'll be happy that you you did that there just now. Um, Bill, I called the pod back to the drawing board. Has that been a wee bit harsh? Oh, maybe. Um, you know, I think. It, Clement's done a lot of good stuff since he came in. Team looks really good, you know, on a lot of occasions, and we're doing the right things. We're going in the right direction. He spoke in his post-match press conference today about, you know, the fact that the game could have gone either way. The fact that two months ago that wasn't happening today at Parkhead, the team wasn't ready for what happened today, uh, based on how they were when he came in. And I think he's right. I think that we went two 0 down and got a man sent off. And Michael Beale's Rangers would probably have capitulated at that point, but they stuck. They stuck with it, you know. They kept plugging away. We got the goal. Uh, I don't think there's a million miles between the two teams now. So back to the drawing board. Probably not for me. It's but it's probably uh, to continue with that analogy. I think the drawing board is there and it's got some good stuff on it. But we just need to take some bits off and add some better bits. And hopefully the manager can get some of that done in January. Is it not a million miles, uh, Bill, but a million fouls? <sighs> a lot of fouls, I Dave. Um, really surprising. Uh, and I'm I'm definitely not one for complaining about refereeing. I think I, I'm no conspiracy minded at all. Uh, I just I think that. A lot of the fouls today, Callum McGregor had a lot of fouls in the first half, for example, and should have been shown a yellow card well before half time, in my opinion. The second half, you know, Celtic, in my opinion, were very lucky not to have had a couple of players sent off for persistent fouling when the guys had already been booked. Uh, I thought we got bookings very easily compared to them. I'm not going to suggest it's a conspiracy. I don't think it is. Um, I just think it's poor refereeing, which is a shame. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'll, 
I'll, I'll start. I'll come back to that that subject, Bill. Um, I'll I'll put the team up first, um, and start from the beginning. Uh, obviously, there was just a few changes from the team last week. Uh, Butland, Tavernier, Goldson didn't play last week. He was uh, injured. Balligan, Redfan, Lundstrom, Sterling, Cantwell, McCausland, Seema, and Dessers. Now, Bill, um, we were all sort of uh, happy, I think, that Lundstrom was back and that uh, uh, Goldson was back. Did you think Lundstrom was fully fit? Um, he looked okay. Uh, I think it's really, that, that area of the pitch is really important, you know, in terms of your fitness. I think, like Goldson, a centre-half, he can come in and not be 100% fit, and it's not as big of an issue. But in the, the midfield engine room, you really do need the fitness. I didn't think Lundstrom looked badly affected. He was moving okay, he was reacting okay. Um, I think that he probably had an okay game, I, I don't think he made any huge mistakes. Uh, you could see that he was starting to tire, though, and, you know, maybe starting to struggle in the second half. So I think the manager brought him off after Balogun's red card, if I remember correctly. But like you, you know, I was probably relieved, is the word, to see that he was in the team, along with uh, Connor Goldson, because I think the two of them have been really big players for us this year. And I had been worried you know, that neither of them were going to make it today. And that, that was a real concern. Um, in the end, obviously, we didn't win the game. But I was still, you know, glad come kick-off time that the two of them were on the pitch. Yeah. So, that, we started, and Rangers actually started quite bright, I thought. I thought we had a couple of chances. McCausland uh, went through, had a chance. And Dessers got a few chances in front of the ball. Um can't a, a, a couple of chances to, to shoot. And when he, he decides to, instead of shooting, he decides to dummy it. But in doing that, let the Celtic uh, players get three of them in front of the ball and his shot was uh, was just wasted. So we started quite good. And then and Celtic and a couple, they'd one I remember that flashed across across the goal that all what they did was a touch. But then... Uh, the uh, the same the, the the goal the corner went for a corner and the ball was crossed in. No, I don't know what Seema was thinking about with the header that he that he done, but it was absolutely <laughs> terrible header. Then the ball came goes to that. Sorry, I can't remember. I don't remember the the Celtic player's name. I'm not into Celtic players' names at the moment. Uh, but the boy boy hit it. In my my view. Well, Seaman should, should have been where that ball roughly was. He was hugging the post. I think if the ball goes out in the middle of the park, you move away from the post to further inside the goal. And I think Seaman could have got to that if, if, if he'd have moved to a good position. I possibly. Um, I mean, first off, the ball in from the corner is just basic defending, isn't it? Head the ball back to where it came from, not in the middle of your own box but seem as a young player he's here on loan he's learning uh, he's an attacker I'm, I'm not going to be too frustrated or upset at him he's had to make a split second decision about where to put the ball and he's made his decision um, he's then as you say stuck to the post rather than move out um, I think those are things that can probably be coached and Clement seems to talk about um, you know he, he likes to go over a game and talk about what they could have done better. So hopefully that's something that he'll be coaching into SEMA. Uh, I know I'll probably be a little bit hypocritical there because, you know, there, there were times in the past where we weren't putting a man on the post for corners. And I, I always think it's essential, you know, uh, really just to get those blocks in and things. So yeah, I could probably look at that two ways and say, actually, no, SEMA should stay on the post. But... You have to be honest. Like that, it was the difference today. Uh, Bernardo, I think the guy's name is, and he's he's hit it, you know, very sweetly, and it's in the back of the net. They were clinical. You know that that wasn't a clear cut tap in. He still had a bit to do there to finish, 
and it was an excellent strike. And that was the difference between the two teams today. You know, even when we did get sort of half chances like that, uh, we, we weren't doing that, we were missing. Well, one of the chances that, that we had came when uh, Dessers ran through and became one and one with the goalkeeper. And then all of a sudden, he virtually stops and lets Johnson get back to him. Well, I, I, I just don't... That, that, I mean, that's the difference between their team and our team. Let's face it. They've got strikers that put the ball out in the back of the net and we've got strikers that the same same way can't go, get the chance to shoot, dummies it, lets three players get round them. Uh, now we've got Dessers. Dummies, a, he does a dummy as well and cuts out back and, and a, Johnson gets back to him, takes the ball off him. That's the difference between the two teams today, Bill. Yeah, Dessers. It's funny when he picked up the ball and started running with it. I was kind of expecting something similar to what he did against Betis, where he'd run on and, you know, and actually in a one-on-one with Joe Hart, I'd probably fancy Dessers to score because I don't particularly rate Joe Hart. Um, but for some reason, as as he gets towards the goalkeeper, he, he's beaten the defender. You know, he's he's got a couple of yards of an advantage on him. For some reason, he just slows down and allows himself to be mugged. Doesn't even get his shot away. You know, it's really poor. It really is. And as you say, that's that's the difference between the two teams. I think you know if that's Kyoko Furuhashi running through with that ball, he at least gets the shot away and gives the goalkeeper something to do. Cyril Dessers didn't do that today. No, that's uh, that's it. Um, then then we, we we get up to half time, and what happened was that it was I believe a high ball came over over and Seema went for the ball with Johnson. They get to the byline, and Seema can cut inside, but Johnson. Pushes the ball with his hand away. Now, in my view, it was a, a certain penalty. I'll let you describe what what, what the ongoings after that were, Bill. I I thought it was a bit. In fact, I was screaming, and it's why I watched the game at home today, and uh, bought myself six bottles of Orkney Gold. Other beers are available, and I think I polished off two of them by that point, maybe three. There you go, very nice. Um, for the benefit of people listening later, Davey's just uh, shown me his bottle of beer on screen. So I I was maybe maybe half-scooped by the time this all happened, but I remember it clearly. I was sitting in my living room in my big chair, and I, I didn't see it in real time, that it was a handball. And then play actually went on, and then the game stopped, and they started showing the replay. And the boy Johnson, he's, he's actually slapped the ball out of play. Really has, you know. R- put his arm round, right round the front of Seema, contacted it with his hand and put it out of play. And the, the on-field decision was a goal kick, which is fine. The referee hasn't seen the handball. And when you look at the replays where the referee was standing, I, you know, you forgive him for that. I, I don't think that he deserves huge criticism for not having seen it in real time. But what then happened is that Sky Sports have shown the replay a couple of times. And I stood up from my chair and was doing a sort of wee dance about my living room because I thought that that's as clear a penalty shout for a handball as I've, I've, you know. Rarely do you see one as clear as that. Normally it hits an arm where it's actually a hand and he's actually moved his hand onto the ball, changed the, dire- all, you know, changed the direction of the ball. All of the, the boxes are ticked. And then play on, no penalty. And it was bizarre. You know, I was really, really confused. And it got to half time. And again, I was watching this on Sky Sports today. Um, and Neil Lennon was in the studio talking about how if he was the manager and it was his team that didn't get that penalty, he'd be absolutely apoplectic, I think was the word that he used. And I'm going, I, you know, I, I just couldn't understand why the penalty hadn't been given. About 20 minutes into the, first, the second half, maybe not as much as that, maybe it just felt like that, but certainly a good while into the second half, they showed the replay again and the the commentator was talking about how the 
either VAR official or the fourth official have now confirmed that Seymour was offside when the ball was played over, which is why the penalty wasn't awarded. And when you look at the replays, and they've, I saw the replays with the lines drawn on, and it's pretty clear, you know, Seymour's, it's, it's not a huge amount, it's maybe a foot in it, but he is offside when the ball's played over, so that's fair enough. Um, but it was just a really bizarre sequence of events. I, I don't understand why they didn't confirm at the time that they'd seen the offside. I don't understand why they gave the goal kick instead of the free kick. Um, you know, and maybe the rule is that once the on-field decision is a goal kick, you don't change it because you're not awarding the penalty. Maybe that's all it is. But Rangers have asked, apparently, for the audio from the far room. Um, the Sky Sports commentator did say that he was they were in communication or they had the audio from VAR at the time or something along those lines. And I, I did notice a pointed comment from the commentator about how it would have been nice if they told us this at the time sort of idea. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out and hear the audio because if there was some other reason for not giving the penalty at the time and then they've later discovered the offside, that would be interesting to hear. Let's, you know, be honest, like... It's not going to change anything now. We can't go back and replay the game or whatever. But it would still be interesting here. Uh, again, I'm, I'm no one for complaining about referees and I'm, I'm no into conspiracy theories, but I am very curious about this to just to hear what's going on. Um, so we'll wait and see. I just, I do, I do hope that as a club and all of that, we don't get too caught up in this because Philippe Clement, um, this is the first time I've really seen him do this, but when he had his post-match press conference, he mentioned that penalty incident about four or five times. And then there was a question put to him about, you know, was your biggest frustration today that we couldn't finish our chances or something along those lines? And he said, no, my biggest frustration today was that penalty decision. You know, he seemed really annoyed about it. Couldn't understand it. Um, so obviously he's feeling really annoyed by that and the the club has now asked the SFA for the, the audio um, you know hopefully the SFA releases and we get to the bottom of it but I hope that we can then just let it go in a dignified manner and not have the club coming out sort of trying to scream conspiracy or whatever like that because it just doesn't look very dignified if we start doing that, that that's what they do, that's not what we do Yeah well I'm afraid Bill <laughs> I'm, uh, I'd love to know what, what was what was uh, spoken, but you know what's going to happen. It's going to be all covered up, Bill. They're not going to they're not going to give us copies of uh, of, of discussions uh, with far or anything like that. It'll all be covered up. I mean, we've seen That's, that. Uh, interesting, Dave. I just I don't know. Maybe I'm really naive. I've just I, I just don't think that stuff like that's going to happen really I, I don't see cover-ups and all of that I think that level of paranoia you know much as there's a song isn't there um, we're rangers super rangers no one likes us we don't care and people don't like us but I'm just kind of drawing the line personally with cover-ups and conspiracies and all of that I just don't think that's what's going on uh, Again, we'll wait and see. Wait, wait and see what the audio says. I I do believe that we will get the original audio from the VAR room because I think there's enough audit trail and all of that, and it's it's recorded. Maybe I'm being naive, um, but I, I just I don't. No, for me, I don't see it. No, Bill, I'm afraid. See when the SFA committee or who 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 the committee was that done it, SFPL. Uh, see when they <clears> say. Celtic, Celtic have got to give Rangers so many tickets for the game, a reasonable amount. But since we don't know a reasonable amount, you don't need to give them any. Well, these are decisions that are absolutely laughable, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, again, though, I <clears throat> don't think that points to any sort of conspiracy, Dave. I do think that <laughs> there's been a subcommittee decision, decision for whatever it's worth, and that's fine. That's what they've come forward and said. But they don't actually have any backbone to go and enforce it. And we're well aware of the the intimidation and all of that that, that goes on uh, from that lot. I just I, I don't think it's a conspiracy. I think 
the SFA then lacks backbone, or the S SPFL, whichever of the two organisations it is, uh, to actually go and enforce something. And, uh, you know, it's probably potentially the same today, you know, like, uh, if you think back, uh, this must have been maybe 20 years ago, the incident, I'm sure we all remember the day that poor, was it Hugh Dallas got hit with a coin? Um, and the blood coming down his face and all of that. And then minutes later, Geese Rangers a penalty at Celtic Park. And that took buzz, you know, like there was people running on the pitch and all of that to confront him. And maybe the officials today just didn't have the buzz to give that penalty. I don't know. Uh, Clement made a really good point about it, about how it does change the game. You know, if we got that penalty and it goes to 1-1, and then you're going in at half time, one each. It's pretty different, you know, and potentially the outcome's different as well. But again, I just I don't think we should be too hung up on this. Clement will have seen today in his team, once the red mist sort of blows away, Clement will have seen in his team today, if he didn't already know, he'll have seen what he needs to improve. And a big part of that for me is the fact that we kind of finish chances. You know, see if we'd put away three or four of the chances and won that game 4-2 or something, the penalty thing would have been a total irrelevance. Um, you know, we might have still gone, oh, you know, bloody shit referee or whatever. Some people might have still been talking about conspiracy, but ultimately, I don't think it cost us the game today. I think the fact that we couldn't put the ball in the net cost us the game today. Yeah, well, we'll see. It's just so very funny that it always seems to be us that are on these the, the losing side of all these decisions, but as I say, we won't we won't start conspiracy. Uh, we all know. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't think the the referees are that biased, but they are crap. <laughs> That's uh and and Willie Collum. I mean, I mean, if we can't get something right after after watching about four hundred times on a monitor, then what chances he got of getting it right when 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 he's on the park uh, to make a, a split second decision? So. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it with that. So we went into the second half, Bill, and you're thinking, okay, we're doing okay. Let's start putting a wee bit of pressure on. I mean, I even I even commented him that Celtic are never going to keep up this pressure, and they'll start being holds. They'll start opening up holes in 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 the Celtic team, and we'll need to start using them using that. But two minutes into the second half. Ball into Kyogo, not a Rangers player I'm near him. Well, the, the, I mean the the room that he got was absolutely. I don't you get uh, Goldson and Balligan nowhere near him, and I think there was a midfield player was a, there round about it as well, and they're all just standing off him. If you give a player like that that amount of room, Bill, then there's only one thing going to happen: it's going to end up in the net. Yeah. Um, however, you know, look at where it was when he hit the shot on his, I think, supposedly weaker foot. Uh, I mean, Philippe Clement said in his post-match press conference that, you know, world-class goal, and then it's 2-0. Um, there's a, a good point in the, the chat here about it's a copy and paste. Um, you know, it is the type of goal that we lose, isn't it? <clears throat> what I would like to say, though, I mean, I watched it back. It's Kyoko's movement, part of it, because what he does is he starts to go forward and Goldson goes with him, and then he stops and steps back into the space. And then, you know, he's created that half yard for himself. But to be honest, like, okay, we shouldn't be losing a goal like that. We shouldn't be allowing him to get the shot away. But that's a world-class finish, it really is. You know, there's not much you can do about that. And... That's, again, what we're lacking. We don't have guys that are reliable to score goals like that. We have seen it from, you know, even from Sam Lammers. He got one like that from outside the box. But in a big pressure game, high stakes, where everything counts, that's kind of when we're not doing it. And that's that's when we need to be doing it. Um, Davey Pollock made a really good point in the, the chat today on our group chat about how, you know, we need to start winning our fair share of games against them. Otherwise, we're not going to win the league. And I think that's true, you know. Um, I do think we're closer. 
I, I do think, it, well, I suppose we'll, we'll talk maybe later on about the team coming back with 10 men to, to score and all of that, but it, it is, you know, it's Kyogo scored and he scores in big games for them. And, you know, I, I had no faith in Dessers doing something like that today or even Cantwell or someone else, you know, and again, that's the difference. So, yeah, we, we should be getting closer to Kyogo. Somebody should be closing that down quicker. But you can't take anything away for the finish. Yeah, well, going on with the next thing, that the sort of a big talking point was a ball to Balligan. And his first touch <laughs> was, was, was absolutely terrible. Uh, I think I think the ball will get put through to to the what is it called the I, I can't remember the the, the bold uh, striker from them. Um, Our job. Maida, Maida, sorry, Maida, and and he ran through. Go again uh, with him. They get tangled up, and Maida goes down. If it's a foul ball, it's a there's only one decision. Let's, let's, let's be honest, there's only one decision. My, my, my question is, was it really a foul or were, were, were they sort of just tied up with each other? That's foul for me, Dave. Um, so I, I, when the, the, the ball came to Balogun and he took that horrible first touch, before my had even got the ball, I went, Balogun's going off here. Because I could see it unfolding before it happened. Maida sneaks in, takes the ball, kicks it on. Balogun's behind him and grabs him and pulls him down. I don't know. Maybe if I watch the replay, I might think differently. Um, that was certainly what I thought at the time. And, you know, if, if that is a foul, no complaints from me. It's a red card and I would totally expect the other way. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll watch the replay. Um, if you think it was maybe a bit of you know, both of them wrestling with each other or whatever. Uh, but certainly in real time as I watched it, I was definitely certain it was a foul. But I was already expecting that foul, if I be honest. So maybe that's why I think it was a foul. But I can't be too critical of Balogun. You know, he's got a... Once he takes that bad first touch, it's a, it's a mistake and everybody makes mistakes. Disappointing that he did, but it's just a mistake. But he's then got a split second to make a decision and there's only two things to do either fill the guy and get sent off or let the guy through one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper and he's got a split second to make one of those two decisions excuse me so he's, he's made his decision you can't be too critical of that yeah well he gets sent off so it's no it won't be it won't be looked at to be anything within fire, obviously. We were obviously quite happy with it as well. So they, they were happy with everything that's already done, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> and I think um, <laughs> even in his post-match press conference, Clement said, you know, it's a definite red card. Yeah. Uh, definitely a card if it was a foul. I, I just don't know whether they get tangled up with each other or whether they whether it was a definite foul. That's, uh, that's only sort of a... I'll, I'll put it... I want to go on, Dave. I'm not exactly sure where it was in the game, but Johnson was on a yellow card, and then then he jumps with a. I'm not sure whether it was Sima, and his his arm is extended, a way out, and it hits. Uh, yeah, it was Sima. Sima get knocked out. In fact, that's what for the free kick was the for for the Rangers goal. Um, he's on a yellow, Dave. He knocks him out. His arm fully extended. Surely a red card. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's a second yellow, isn't it? That's uh, the made two ways about it. Yeah, um, sorry, second yellow. Yeah, I can't understand why the referee doesn't do that unless... You know, the, the referee looking at it, and when I saw the, re the replay, I thought... God, you know why that is. There's, there's no two ways about that. The referee looking at it has to either go, right, that's a booking, or he has to make the decision that it's a foul and not a booking. If he makes the decision that it's a foul and not a booking, then I'm seriously questioning the standard the referee. And, um, I wonder if his bottle went. You know, I really do. Because at that point, I think 
we are probably 10 or 15 minutes to go. Although Rangers are down to 10 men, they're actually the team in the ascendancy and they're coming forward and Celtic are having to defend at that point. And, you know, to, <clears throat> to then send a Celtic player off leaves it 10 men on each side. Uh, and the referee's maybe going to thinks he's maybe going to come under a bit of pressure from the stands. I don't know um, if that's actually the case. But to me, he's either made a really ridiculous mistake in thinking that's not a booking, or he's gone, well, it's a booking, but I don't fancy giving this. And and his bottles went, you know, and either way, that's, that's pretty poor, isn't it? Yeah. Another incident, Dave, I'm wondering before I go into the goal, the, that, um, Bernardo, he had already had a yellow card in the, in the first half. And then he had a, a really wild tackle and Connor Goldson stood in his ankle. No yellow, which would have led to a red. That was another incident. Uh, yeah, and, you know, to... To be honest, I looked at that and actually thought that could have been a straight red. It's yeah. Yeah. don't get me wrong, you know, I, I I'm not overly keen on the way that football's going in terms of these tackles being straight reds. I think there has to be a little bit more leeway than sometimes referees are now given because you do see it a lot where it's fairly innocuous, there's not a huge amount of force, but the studs are up and there's a bit of a stand or whatever on the ankle or on the foot. And the referees give a straight red. And I, I'm not always in favour of that. But that is what we're seeing now. You know, game in, game out. Everywhere, not just Scotland, um, you know, especially in Europe and in the EPL. You, you're seeing it all the time, players getting sent off for these. Even five years ago would have been quite an innocuous challenge. A booking if you were lucky sort of idea. Um, but... You know, the the rules now, the way that referees are being told to govern a game, uh, it, it seems to be that the encouragement is there for them to send these players off for this, to really stamp this out. So when I looked at that today, I thought, oh, you know, especially when I saw the replay and they slow it down a little bit, I thought, that, that, that's a straight red in some games, you know. Um Again, the referee doesn't really do anything about it, you know, in terms of showing a card. And I thought, well, okay, he's he's maybe not seen that that contact with the studs occurred to the ankle. I think it is, or the, the top of the foot, maybe. Um, but then you're watching the replay, and it's pretty clear. So you you sort of wonder if Far's going to get involved. And I, I wonder, you know, we we maybe have to come back to is it a clear and obvious error for the referee? I'm not so sure. But it, it seems as if every week these are being refer referees are being called to monitors to look at these challenges, where I wouldn't have said it was a clear and obvious error by the referee to have missed it. So I, I don't really know. I don't know how to feel about that. Um, again, I don't like that that type of challenge is now a red card. But them's the rules. Yeah, well, I'm afraid. I think far. As you said, they've been jumping in everywhere for the for these kind of tackles, and I think this is one another one that they should have. And yeah, just seen that McGregor's name, he was so that McGregor, he 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 should have been on a yellow long before, and he should have had a second yellow. Bernardo should have had a second yellow, and for, in my view, Johnson should have had a second uh, a second yellow. So that would have brought them down to have eight men. Uh, for the for the end of the game, but um, yeah, we we know we know referees they have a hard time inside. I mean, we've seen we've seen the, the last few weeks. Uh, Celtic uh, they were they were going to protest, have protests about referees and Rangers getting penalties and uh, all these kind of things. It's just all, total uh, putting pressure on referees to come and referee them. To be honest with you. Yeah, um, it's not just a recent thing. You know, it's been going on for a long, long time. Uh, we we need to rise above doing that. I have to. I, I do 
you know, not know that I'm some sort of a voice and influence for the Rangers fans. I'm not, obviously. Um, you know, and like look at the comments tonight or look at follow, follow or whatever. There's there's plenty of uh, panic and outrage and all of that about some of this, but we do. We need to rise above that. We need to be a wee bit more dignified. We can't be out there trying to mount campaigns or intimidate referees or any of that. It's bollocks. Yes, it's frustrating. We need to be more constructive, though. We need to just have the debate about the standard of the refereeing and say, it's not good enough. You know, look at these decisions. Don't go into this conspiracy nonsense. Don't try and focus on, oh, you know, we're Rangers and nobody likes us and we, therefore we never get decisions. Because if you speak to any of the Diddy teams in the SBFL, their supporters will be quite uh, firm with their point of view that actually Rangers get more decisions than we do, is what they'll say. But, you know, if we can point out some of this stuff but not do it in a way that is moonhowler, that is conspiracy, that is intimidation and any of that, and just have the honest conversation, we, we do need to see a better standard of refereeing and we do need to see stuff like today where I think the referee has bottled it a couple of times in terms of sending a player off and that just isn't doing it for me. I think, I think they call it intimidation these days, uh, Bill. Quite poor, I'll, Dave, quite poor. <laughs> I'll go on to the, the goal. Um, well, obviously, it took a few, a few minutes uh, to, to get um, Seema back. To, to, he took a heavy knock to the, to the head. And he was a, a, a good two, two to three minutes on the ground. I thought, oh, he's not he's not going to be able to continue, but it eventually did come back on. And Tavernier had a free kick just before. And I don't know what he was doing, but I, I don't think I think it hit the wall and the somebody in the knee in the wall. Uh, when he was trying to go get the ball over the wall. And then he steps up and I'm thinking, I wish somebody else would take free the free kicks for some time uh, and, and give Tavernier a break on them. Mm-hmm. And then he fires into the top top corner out of the reach of uh, of Hart. Cracker of a goal. Yeah. Um, and before he stepped up to take that one, I was saying to myself, you know, he's. I, I definitely feel as if his delivery today was up to the standard that we know he's capable of. Like, he had a few pretty poor crosses and hit a couple of pretty tame free kicks and you know even we actually these free kicks a bit further back where it's much further away than you can shoot from so he's he's playing it from maybe deeper inside the Celtic half up towards their box he was um kind of doing these big floaty ones and I, I don't really like that I like it with a bit more pace right in the middle of the box rather than kind of high and floaty out towards the edge of the box um, so, but when he stepped up to take that free kick, I was, all of that was in my mind about how, you know, his dead ball stuff hasn't been that great today. But, you know, you have to be realistic and say that there's maybe one in every three or four like that where he's actually going to get it on target. And when he gets it on target, more often than not, it ripples in the net. <clears throat> it was a great call. Uh, I am thinking, you know, like, I'm seeing some stuff in the comments tonight and on the forums about how poor Tav is, and he's he's one of these guys that that splits the Rangers support. Um, but you know, I I just I have to say, really, he's just he's the guy that steps up time and time again. He was okay defensively today. I I don't really think Palmer particularly got much against him. He maybe got past him once or twice. You know, Tavernier, despite the fact that he makes some mistakes and all that, he's got the mentality. He does it for us time and time again in the big games. He does deliver. We we can't ask him to be doing much more than he's already doing. It's it's sometimes about, you know, the rest of the team around him not doing enough. I'd say, you know, as, as much as Tav has got his faults and all of that, he's the absolute last of my concerns. He's, he's much lower down my worry list. I'd say, you know, like the centre-forward department is where I'm looking. Yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree with you. But for, for me as well, 
we need to look at the midfield as well because the midfield is. Uh, I mean, I know people are going to say here he's going in a in a Lundstrom rant again, but we we need really need better. We need to start replacing these players. The defence as well. I mean, we've got Balligan's been actually one of the best players. It's a shame that he he fell uh, to a, a bad mistake today, but. Um, Golden and and uh, we really need a we really need a full defence to be honest with you because uh, a left back well this was supposed to be cut a left back coming in but as far as I know we're looking at two yeah. at the moment. Um, to be scouted, um, I I don't know, Dave. That left back stuff, like maybe maybe I'm just you know be trying to be a bit too pragmatic, but I think. For the moment, until we get to the summer, I think Borna Barisic is probably okay. And actually, I thought today, Redvan Yelmaz had a really good game. Maeda, for the most part, was up against him and didn't get a sniff. Uh, Yelmaz matched him every time. Beat him for pace a few times. And Yelmaz also, coming forward a few times, did some really good things. You know, some good passes, some good moves. Uh, bursting out of our half with the ball. I think there's more... It's yet to come for Yelmaz. Again, I don't think they're the absolute best left-backs for Rangers, but I, I think it has to be as lower down on the priority list, getting a left-back. I think we're we're okay at the moment if we don't do something there. We've got other departments where we really need to strengthen. And, you know, le- left-back is, is lower down my priority list, I would say. No, I'm afraid I'm in the... Um, try and get some money from them both and bring in better. Uh, I, I just think we need to improve all over the park, to be honest with you. But the last couple of minutes, Bill, after the after the goal, the one, the two one, we really pressed them and we really looked like we could get a second one. Do you think we, we actually played better with ten men than we did with uh, eleven? And it's it's funny. Um... You know, like, and you do see it in football that teams go down to 10 men and go up the park and score a goal. You know, it happens fairly regularly. Uh, <clears throat> again, Philip Clement talked about this in his post-match press conference about how, you know, the team kept going. I thought most of the second half, we didn't actually create much. But after Balogun went off, we seemed to be in the ascendancy. And after we got that goal... I don't really remember Celtic getting out of their own half. I think it was us going for, right into the, the 10 or whatever minutes of stoppage time. And it just it infuriates me because why could we not have been doing that before Balogun gets sent off? You know, why could we not have spent the first 25 minutes of the second half hemming them in? Why did it have to take a sending off for us to react like that? That infuriates me. Do you not think, Bill, that over the the whole Clement always says that we've got to uh, attack from out of structure? Do you not think that we're far too stretched today? I've seen Dessers a few times <coughs> trying to get players to, to come up the park and, and make the, the unit smaller, more compact. But I think we were quite far out of stretch today and which gave a lot Celtic a lot of sort of a more room in the midfield. Yeah, maybe. Um I think it's a difficult one because I could see what we were trying to do on the press. I know <clears throat> I know Cantwell and Dessers are both gonna lose it tonight. But like if if you look at what was happening, especially in the first half, I thought our press was quite effective. I did think that Cantwell, for the most part, his job today seemed to be getting tight to Callum McGregor. And he was doing that, you know, for a lot of the first half um, and doing it pretty effectively. But what I was also noticing is that Cantwell and Dessers were going together. And what would happen is one of them would sit on McGregor and the other one would press the centre half. And depending on where the ball was, they would swap round so that if Cantwell went to press the centre half, Dessers would go over to McGregor. And I think when you're pressing like that and you're quite high up and you're stretching things and your midfield is quite far behind, then that does cause those types of problems where your team is very stretched. I certainly felt as if, you know, this this Celtic defence and 
especially Joe Hart, you know, the, the goalkeeper, I think they are vulnerable to press. I think Joe Hart with the ball at his feet is just absolutely hopeless. Real panic merchant. And, you know, we, we needed to be... We were pressing okay, we were forcing some mistakes and all that in the first half, but we needed to be more sort of um, ruthless with the press. We needed to commit more men when we did go, rather than just two men going all the time. We maybe needed to be committing five or six men and pushing the defence up to a high line. But, you know, obviously, like the guys have been following the manager's instructions, presumably, and that's what the manager wants. Who am I to argue? You know, he's, he's, he's brought us on hugely, and if that loss today gives him some learning that helps us to beat Celtic the next time, then okay, you know, I'll, I'll go with that. I'm no, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, can I just uh, say thank Cami for £2 and he his message was, we lost a good bear today, rest in peace Caroline. I think we'll all uh, go with that and uh, yeah, I, I, obviously I didn't know it personally, although I think I remember a Caroline on, in the comments quite a lot. I don't know whether it's yeah. the same. Uh, yeah, but, Caroline, oh. <coughs> Caroline was always very active in the comments when we were on live, and that's really sad to hear. So, you know, I think for all of us, our thoughts will be with our friends and family tonight. That's that's a real shame. Yeah, so it's, it's a horrible time to, hor- horrible to lose anyone at any time, but certainly at this time of year, it's, uh, it certainly makes it a wee bit worse if that is possible so um, what do you move on Bill talk about sort of an individual player now we sort of mentioned Tavernier Tavernier he wasn't great but we'll, we'll take the defence as a whole Bill what, what did you think I mean I, I thought they gave an awful lot of room away at times and also they go into a panic mode quite a lot with the, the lights of the goal the, from um, Bernardo uh, they they that was a sort of a panic war as well. And there was a, a time just before that, I think, that, that we were sort of a, trying to get the ball away and it took about six shots to, to, to get the ball away. Um, yeah, there was definitely moments where we were really quite clumsy in terms of trying to get the ball away. I remember more than once getting up in my chair and shouting, somebody just going to get rid of it, you know. Uh, and you, you know I, what I mean? You know what, me and, and you, you're trying to kick the ball yourself. I'm too unfit for that now, Dave. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, um, we did, uh, and we do that from t- where we look like just absolute panic merchants trying to get a ball away. It's not the first thing we've seen that today. Um, I'd like to see us have a bit more composure in those moments uh, and no panic so much and be able to just get the ball away. Um, you know, a lot of the time we are defending well, and if you look at the, the record over the course of this season, we're not really conceding many goals, you know. Um, I think Celtic are conceding more goals than us. But, you know, there are moments like that. Sometimes the, the statistics are okay, but it's the eye test. And there's there's times... I, I don't know, I just, I watch us and I, I just think we look like a real, real panic at the back and we'll, we'll look as if the defence is about to crumble and that's really annoying. Having said that, you know, I don't actually think Celtic had a huge number of clear-cut chances today. The two goals that they scored would have been reasonably, you know, quite difficult to prevent. We could have got closer to Kyogo and... The first goal, you know, there's a bit of a mistake for Sima in terms of heading the ball directly into our own box. But the, the the players that finished it have got a lot of work to do, but it's not as if we've let them play through us and get a sort of tap in for three yards out. So there is that. There's just there's the moments here and there where the ball comes in and there's a bit of pinball and we just look like absolute panic merchants. And I think we've we've looked like that for a long, long time. Um, sometimes as well, you know, it's the, the defending the set pieces um, we're really we we leave a lot to be desired when we're defending. You know, when a ball comes in, I think we do look better at that this season with Jack Butland and goal. He's coming for things and he's kind of you know catching the ball and all of that. Whereas McGregor wasn't necessarily doing that last season. But there are still times where we're losing goals from 
corners or whatever that really, you know, we shouldn't be. I think uh, somebody pointed out today that, you know, Celtic had something like 20 corners against Dundee and Dundee managed to keep them out. All right, Dundee lost three goals to them that night. But, you know, it's like we we concede a few corners and I don't know what our stats are in terms of the number of goals that we concede from corners, but it certainly feels like more than we should. And I'm certainly always nervous when the opposition gets a corner. Yeah. Um, let's 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 start on individual players again. Dessers, we've sort of mentioned him. I don't think he's a way forward, Bill. Do you? Uh, not nah. just his goals, not just goals, but his general play, the way yeah, we're asking no... him to play. I mean, today, all I seen from him was offside. Uh, obviously, the two chances that, uh, that, that he fluffed. And it's not the bit that really gets in my, my wick about him. See this finger? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I keep thinking, I wish Clement would woman cut it off. So what's what's frustrating about Cyril Dessers, right, is that um, he is a big guy and should have no problem backing into centre-halves and putting them on their arses. Yet every time the ball comes to him and he backs into centre-half, he's the one that crumples and lands on the floor. And he doesn't get the free kick. And he looks at the referee for the free kick. And I think he does it. And it's obviously something he's, he's either trained to do or been coached to do throughout his career because he does it in such a way that he's just on the right side of not getting a booking for diving, you know, because it doesn't look like a dive. But it's also not really a foul, you know. But I just think a big guy like him, you know, he's, he's about the same size as I am, you know. he's He shouldn't be just crumpling in a heap every time somebody sort of comes into the back of him or worse, he backs into someone else. So I find that really frustrating about him. Also just, I don't know, like a lot of the time he doesn't look as if he can actually control the ball. He really, you know, when the ball's played through it. And we, we need a player in that space, especially in these types of games who... If we're needing an out ball, you know, if we're under a wee bit of pressure and the ball goes long or whatever, even ball in the feet, we need somebody that can take the ball in, control it, hold off his man until three or four midfielders can rush up uh, and then, you know, sort of play somebody else in or whatever. And he doesn't seem to be able to do that very much. Um, finishing, I don't know, is, is a bit of an enigma there because... A couple of times he's looked like an absolute world beater. You know, that that goal against Betis was just unbelievable. It really was. It was it was like Ronaldo R9, somebody said, you know, leaving the, the defender on his arse and then not making the keeper. Um, but most of the time, Dessers finishing, uh, I don't know, like, leaves a lot to be desired, let's say. He's definitely not clinical. You look at Kyogo today, you know, one half chance, that's all he had in the game. And he's got a goal to his name. And Dessers had a few sort of half-decent chances and did nothing with it. Um, so those are all aspects of his game that I don't think suit us. I think somebody said, and I think it was actually, it was potentially on one of the other Rangers podcasts because I did watch a couple in the last few days sort of in anticipation of today's game and somebody made the comment along the lines of he looks like a European player that's playing in Scotland which is exactly what he is, you know, he's a, possibly a player more suited to a European league um, but, you know, I, I, I whilst I like the guy and he seems like a likeable big guy and all of that I just don't think he's got it and I don't think he's ever going to get it what he needs to be for the you know, to be a Rangers number nine. Um, and one of the the really big things for me with Dessers is that he's just got no pace, absolutely no pace whatsoever. You know, and I, I do think that, like you see, Sima can be really effective when there's a ball over the top to him, especially against the defence that's, that's pushed a bit higher up, as you maybe get in Europe or sometimes against Celtic, you know. And Dessers just doesn't have that if you put the ball over the top to him. He's not going to outrun centre-halves or a full-back or whatever to get on to it most of the time. 
you know, I mean, you saw one example today of him sort of being, you know, having a good head start, I think, on, was it Scales, maybe? And Scales catches up with him. Dessler seems to slow down, as I said, and not shoot. But, you know, the boy catches up with him and takes the ball off him. So, yeah, pace is another aspect. But, you know, I can live with a centre forward that doesn't have pace if he's doing the other stuff right, because we've got other players with pace. But I think that's just the tin hat on it for me is that, he also just doesn't have any pace, you know, in, in addition to sort of everything that I just said there. Yeah. I mean, we're all having, I think, uh, sort of a judgments today that, that are made from the from losing, to be honest with you. The, uh, last week we were all talking about SEMA. Oh, we should be getting them signed. We should be getting them signed. We should be getting them signed. And Today I've been reading. Seema's not a Rangers Rangers class. He shouldn't be in the Rangers team. I, I, I think what he's showing up to now, whether uh, whether we would spend the money that that is going to be needed to get him, I very much doubt. But would you still be trying to get him even after today's performance? Davey, you wouldn't be trying to suggest that Rangers fans are reactive and change their minds on the, the drop of a sixpence, would you? Uh, yeah, I, I think I would. Seema's our top scorer this year. Seema's an excellent player. He, even the best players in the world, and I think Philip Clement said in the press conference today that even sometimes Haaland or Mbappe miss chances. You know, and it's true, like Seema can he shine every single game. Um but he's certainly shown me enough, you know, and I think that that game today, I didn't think Seema was terrible. You know, he just, he didn't really do much. Um, he was given a specific job to do. At times he was trying to help out Yelmaz or whatever. And I just, I, I he, he didn't really create much for us, but he certainly wasn't terrible. And he wasn't hiding when the ball was, you know, when somebody was looking for a pass, he was there. So, yeah, for me, um, I think I'd sign Seema. Uh, there's also sort of um, like, I just saw this in the comments about Seema looking knackered, needing a rest. Um, that may also be a factor because Seema has played a lot of minutes and it does a huge amount of running because one of the things I really like about Seema is that he does get back out and help out his fullback consistently. You know, like, if you think about the number of kilometres that he must run in a game because he's literally up and down the park and comes away back, puts in tackles next to our penalty box and then pops up next to the opposition penalty box, you know, to, to receive the ball as well. Um, so there might be something in that. He has played a lot of minutes. I, I don't know whether or not he does need a rest. But, yeah, he wasn't at the top of his game today, but... Not every player is going to be at the top of their game every game. I think he's shown me more than enough so far that if we can sign him for a reasonable amount of money and get a deal done, then I very much think that we should. You know, did Tuesday night, Bill? Can't vote or double? Uh, so Cantwell, he's getting kind of slated tonight. And it's difficult. I like Todd Cantwell. And, you know, I, I think we all have a bit of an affection for him, but people are sort of starting to turn. Cantwell's job today primarily seemed to be not to give Callum McGregor space. You know, that, that seemed to be his main job for the team today. But you would expect that in addition to that, the manager will also be looking for Cantwell to <clears throat> do something for us going forward when we have the ball. Too many times he lost the ball today. You know, at one point, um, there was, you know, Cantwell had the ball just outside their area, edge of the D, I think. And rather than just play the pass out wide to, I think, McCausland, who was making the run, Cantwell <clears throat> does this thing of trying to drag the ball back and then kick it past the man and run on it and just makes an arse of it. And he didn't need to do it. Looks great if it comes off, you know, and he has done some really cool looking things that got us into good positions or whatever before. You know, you think about his pass to Dessers when the Hibs game, when Dessers scored that goal. You know, he has done some cool stuff that looks good by doing those types of moves. But 
he didn't need to do that today. He could have played the simple pass and he's got a teammate that's running into the box to receive it. And that was frustrating. But overall, I think he did his job okay in terms of, you know, making sure McGregor wasn't getting the space that he needed to dictate the game. I don't think that's Cantwell's natural game, is to man-mark somebody. So, you know, he wasn't perfect at it, but I think he did okay. And it's certainly better than just allowing McGregor to completely run the game, which is what happened at Ibrox earlier in the season. But, you know, you you have to give him a bit of leeway for that because that's no Cantwell's natural game. The fact that he made some mistakes while trying to be brave or trying to be flashy does really infuriate me. But I think we have to be careful what we wish for there because how often in the last couple of seasons have we gone, oh, we just pass the fucking ball side to side. Nobody attempts to make the brave pass. Nobody attempts to beat a man. So, you know, there's, there's two sides to that. I, I don't think we can be too raging about the fact that he's lost the ball a couple of times while trying to be fancy, much as it really annoyed us all at the time. Um, I think he does need to be better in terms of his decision-making in those moments where he's got a clear pass to a teammate on who's, who's making a good run. Instead of trying to do that thing of dragging the ball back and then chipping it forward or whatever, he just needs to play the simple pass. Uh, but I still think he's got a lot of good qualities. You know, I, I don't think... This is what the Rangers support do. We are, we're absolutely bipolar. We either love Todd Cantwell or we hate him and we're like that with so many players, but we can't be too harsh on him for a showing in one game. What will be important for me is how he reacts. Like, you know, we had that game against Aris Limassol where he gets subbed off sort of halfway through the first half. Um, you know, and I actually at the time thought, oh God, is that the end of Todd Cantwell at Rangers? Because... You know, there seemed to be talk of maybe a bit of a bust-up or whatever with him and the manager. And he kind of actually, for, to my mind, responded well to that. You know, he, he came out, played well after that. So it'll be interesting to see how he responds now, what he does going forward. But he does need to try and be a bit more controlled in his decision-making and cut that stuff out of his game. It would seem as well, we brought, we brought on Scott Wright for when, uh, when Seema get taken off. He's, Scott Wright seems to have jumped over Matondo for a place in the, the starting lineup. Does that surprise you a wee bit? Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to be unpopular here, but no, I like Scott Wright. I think he's got a lot to offer us. He I'm doesn't always do the, it. going to pop the team again for a minute, just have a look at the substitutes, uh, Bill, if we can see that. McCrory, Suter, Lammers, Sifuentes, Matondo, Dowell, Scott Wright. King and Divine were the were the substitutes. Um, did the substitute? Well, I mean Scott Wright sort of surprised me. Although he's been getting up a place the last wee wee while, but it surprised me that Matondo's not getting much game time these days. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> I mean, if you think about what Scott Wright brings, you know, there's a lot of it is similar to Matondo. They're similar types of player that pace and all of that but I think what Clement's saying and um, you know Van Bronckhorst used to say this about Scott Wright is that he was very tactically disciplined and good at following instructions to the letter which is why I think Clement possibly likes him I've always said that I like Scott Wright and I think he's got a lot to offer us he's no the you know the best Rangers winger I've ever seen far from it but you know, he, he can do a lot of good things um, and I've seen him put in some really good performances for us and score some important goals. So, no, I, it's no necessarily a surprise for me based on what he's shown us that Wright has sort of leapfrogged Matondo in terms of getting a place. Yeah. Well, Bill, I'm sort of a, through all the stuff I had uh, saved up. Um, anything that you want to bring in that you've thought about, get written down? Um, I found it interesting, you know, we t- I talked about Clement's post-match and how he was talking a lot about the, the penalty and all of that, but one thing that I did notice is that he was asked a couple of times about finishing chances and all of that, and what I found really interesting is that he didn't throw Dessers under the bus with that, you know, he talked about well players miss chances, but for me, you know, I, I do think that he's really got to be going... You know, I, I need a number nine. I need a number nine in January. 
and that's going to be really difficult. So I know we're talking a lot about the transfer window. Well, that, that has to be, in my mind, the absolute number one priority. And I'd be very surprised if that's not the same for Philip Clement. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think I have lost. But are you still with us, Bill? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought I thought you had froze there. <laughs> I didn't, <laughs> didn't realise that you were, you had just stopped talking. Um. No, I, I think. Uh, do, do, what do you what do you think about Tuesday's game? Do you think that will be? How, I mean, I suppose that's the perfect time to, to sort of a turn around, turn things around. Obviously, Kilmarnock could beat us the last time we played them. Uh, they beat Celtic twice this year, one in the Cup and one in the league. So it's a, it's another big game, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, that old cliche, isn't it? Well organised. Derek McInnes has got a good manager. He's, he's got them playing to his system. He's got them all bought into it. They beat Celtic and it wasn't even like a smash and grab against Celtic because I watched that game they outplayed Celtic you know uh, this is going to be a tough test we shouldn't take it lightly but I know that Philippe Clement won't take this lightly um, I think we'll be fine I think we'll beat them even though you know we're severely depleted in terms of the injuries and things like that I do think that we've got enough uh, I'm interested to see whether Fabio Silva comes in and gets a place straight away or what happens or whether Clement sees him playing as the number nine. I, I don't really know. I'm curious about that is probably the main thing in this game. Um, so maybe we'll keep an eye on that, see whether he still sticks with Dessers and tries to play Silva out wide or and as the number 10 or whether he brings Silva off the bench and who Silva replaces. I think these are all questions, but again, no question in my mind. I think he's got to be looking for a, a full, a full-on number nine. I Enjoy think he's sort of hinted that Silva has not been playing for a while, and he's uh, he's not really game ready yet. So I, I don't know whether he'll be maybe maybe get ten minutes or something like that. But I doubt mm -hmm. he'll get much much longer than that. I, I doubt very much that he'll be playing instead of Dessers. Uh, on, yeah, uh, on Tuesday I, night. I don't think he will. No, I very much doubt that. I think if he gets ten minutes, then uh, then he'll be sort of a the, the thing. Um. Anyway, but what do you think? Do you want to give us a score for Tuesday night? Uh, be a tight one, but I'm going to say two 0 to Rangers. Okay. Well, I'll go. No, I'll, I'll go three one. I'll, I'll go three one. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Although Kilmarnock is, is, is a hard have not to crack, that's for sure. We'll need to be on our toes. But now I'm going to go three one. I'm just uh, I'm going to be brave. Kilmarnock says we've got to be brave, so <laughs> that's, that's the way I'm going. So anyway, all I can do is thanks for listening, and and all I can do is wish you a, a, a happy new year when it comes. We'll be back on Thursday, I believe. Uh, there won't be a pod tomorrow night. That's that's why we're on tonight. So I wish you a happy new year when it comes along and all the best and we are the people. Bye.